Good morning, Central Park Baptist Church. Good morning to you all. How are we doing this morning? We're doing okay? We're doing great? Amen. Uh, at this time, we'd like to have you stand as we turn to our opening hymn, hymn 650, hymn 650, Redeemed. Amen. Amen. Him 650. Sing along. Are redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His infinite mercy. His child and forever I am. Redeemed. 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 Redeemed by the blood of the for another day, Lord. Forgive us for our sins. Guide our path. Help us to always stay focused on you, Lord. Yes. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Yes. Fill us with your wisdom, your God, and your strength, yes. dear Lord. Yes. Help us to have a good day today, Lord, to uh, fellowship with one another, but to always, Lord, to give you honor and glory. Yes. And it's in Jesus' name that we do pray. Amen. Amen. amen and amen. If you would uh, remain standing, we'd like for you to join us in singing uh, hymn 651, the very next page over. Hymn 651, Since I Have Been Redeemed. Since I have been redeemed, since I have 
Amen, amen, till the storm passes by. If you would all stand with me and turn your hymnals to hymn number uh, 653. Hymn number 653, my redeemer. Hymn number 653, Brother Yo, you come lead us at this time. I will sing of my Redeemer and His wondrous love to me on the cold cross of comfort from the curse to set me free, no sin of my Redeemer, with His blood He purchased me, on the cross He sealed my pardon, paid the story how my lost he stayed to say in the boundless love and mercy in the ransom freely gave sing or sing of my redeemer with his blood he purchased me on the cross he sealed my part Park Baptist Church this morning. We're glad that you're here. Welcome to our service. Uh, there are, I hope that you got a bulletin this morning. I'm going to encourage you to get them. I'm not going to go over all the announcements, just a few that are important right now. I want to remind the ladies Bible study is coming up on September 20th at 8 a.m. or 10 a.m. in the morning. Uh, there'll be a ladies Bible study. Then uh, don't forget to mark your calendar for our missions conference coming up. There's two things out in the foyer that I want to call your attention to. You have a booklet like this that talks all about our missions conferences and those that are coming like Sam Ward and 
Paul Sharon, uh, the purpose of uh, Faith Promise Mission, uh, our missionary, the Miller family to Mexico, the Williams family to Peru. It talks all about their ministries and what they're doing, and I want to encourage you. Also inside there is a list of all the missionaries here that we support and also on this page here. And I want to encourage you to uh, pick up one of those. And then we also have this little tri-folder out there uh, about our missions conference, what the dates are, things that are going on in our missions conference. One of the things that's going on is every day at 5.30, we're going to be feeding those that come. Amen. Uh, if, if you are working and you can just barely get in in time and you have your work clothes on, listen, it's not important what you wear. It's important to be here. So if you're all sweaty and smelly from, from being at work all day, we'll put a chair in the back corner over there. And, but now we want to encourage you to come, come to the meal, eat with us, and then be able to come to the service to be a part of our missions conference. It's very important. By the way, this last week we, over, we gave more money now in our church than what we promised to give last year. Amen. So we've superseded our giving from last year. So that's a wonderful job. Great job. Praise the Lord. What a wonderful thing that God's people have done. Amen. And with that money, many folks will get saved. Buildings will be built. Lives will be changed because you gave. Uh, and, and gave sacrificially. Thank you so much for that. Also, don't forget that uh, we're, we're signing up right now for our 2023 prayer books. We have a, a notebook that has everybody's name in, in the church, all the missionaries that we support. On different days, uh, different letters of the alphabet get different people to pray for. And we have 26 letters in the alphabet, and we have 25 people that have signed up. So we need one more so that everybody in the church is prayed for every day. Because by the time we get through all 26 letters in the alphabet, everybody that day in our church will be prayed for. Our missionaries will be prayed for. Our pastor will be prayed for. Mrs. White will be prayed for. And she needs to really be prayed for. She's married to our pastor. <laughs> Amen. And so uh, I just want to encourage you to, if you haven't signed up, please sign up. There's a sign-up sheet out in the foyer for that. There's other things going on in our church, and I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Then there's a couple minor things, or I think they're extremely important. Uh, first, I want to thank all the men and women that came yesterday and worked on our, on our uh, work day. We got, well, I think we cut down four trees. Is that right, brother? We cut down trees. We cut down branches. We cut down, if it, if it stood, we cut it down. Amen. <laughs> And we cleaned up a bunch of stuff. We're not quite finished. We got a lot of it accomplished in two and a half, or two and a half hours or two hours. Yeah. Two hours. And we got a little bit more to do. And uh, I'm grateful for all of those that came out and worked so hard to get so much work done. Then we have a gentleman in our church. We, his, uh, his nickname is Poppy. He always sits right in front of Eric. He's a, his name is Rodrigo. He's on our prayer list. He has those little round glasses. And he left for Ecuador. Well, I've talked with him on our Wednesday night prayer time. Uh, and he's got, he has cancer, and he's gotten really bad while in Ecuador. And so they're bringing him back. He wasn't supposed to come back yet, but he's coming back today because he's now in a wheelchair and can't get around. And uh, I'm, it's, it's amazing how cancer can affect somebody so, so quickly. Uh, and maybe, I, I don't know what all the things are, but we're going to try to get him as much help as possible. Uh, please pray for him. Pray for him as he's traveling today. Uh, Rodrigo is his name, and I want to encourage you to please pray for him. Uh, he's one of our people, Amen. and we love him. Yeah. Uh, he's Amen. a super, super sweet man. Amen. Amen. 
And he, so he'll be coming back from Ecuador today. It's about a 12-hour flight, I believe. So please be praying for him as he travels and gets back here where he can get some medical attention that he needs. Amen? Uh, uh, Rodrigo is his name. Well, let's pray for our offering, and then we'll take our offering today. Amen? Father, thank you so much for allowing us to give back to you, for trusting us, for loving us. Thank you for giving me more than what I need. So not only could I give part of what I of my of my hundred percent, but I can give extra to you, just because we love you, and you've been so kind to us. And I know that in my lifetime, I've never been out, able to outgive you. And you've always taken care of every need because you're a great God. So please bless our offering as we give today. Bless your people as they give. I ask that you be with Rodrigo as he gets on that airplane today in Ecuador and he flies back to the United States. I ask that you give his doctors wisdom, encourage him, and strengthen him, please. Help him in every way you can. We ask that you be with our pastor and Mrs. White as they're at a preaching conference this week. I ask that you help them be encouraged and fed spiritually as they meet in in this conference this week. We love you very much and thank you for our people and for... I love being in church, Lord. It's just fun to be with your people. It beats anything else in this whole world. So I ask that you bless as we give, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have an offering, come give it right now. As we rise to sing our, our final chorus, we'd like uh, at this time to uh, dismiss the uh, Korean church for uh, the uh, Korean um, uh, church uh, worship. And also, anyone who is fifth grade and under, you're now dismissed for junior church. Fifth grade and under, you're now dismissed for junior church. As we turn to hymn 659, hymn 659, I'd like for uh, the men to... Start off our hallelujahs here and the ladies to chime in on praise ye the Lord. Amen. Yes? We're good? Okay. We we have at least one person excited to sing this song. Hymn 659, hymn 659. Hallelujah. 
Okay, let's reverse it. Let's sing it again. Let's reverse it. Ladies, you do the hallelujah. Men, you do the praise you the Lord. Here we go. Ladies. this time. Thank you, Brother Will. Thank you very much. I could listen to Brother Will sing all day long. Amen. I just really appreciate him, and I appreciate you doing that for us today. Amen. Take your Bible, if you would, this morning and open up to Genesis chapter 41. Genesis chapter 41. Those that were here on Wednesday night know that Brother DeVito brought us a message 
about <coughs> Joseph. I just love God. I'm telling you, he is so exciting to me because he does things that we don't anticipate or do we, or do we ever think about. He started on Joseph. I'm going to end with Joseph. Amen. And so it's exciting to see how God puts things together because he had no idea that what I was going to preach. He, I had no idea what he was going to preach. I have no idea what's even going to come out of my mouth yet this morning. Uh, but I know that God is good and it's so exciting to be his servant. Amen. And, and it's great to be with God's people. Amen. I just love how God takes care of us. Amen. He knows our needs. Yeah. And he supplies for us a family, Amen. the church, Amen. that cares about each one of us. Amen. And this morning I pray that the message that you're about to hear from heaven, not from me, it's not my message, it's heaven's message, will be what you need for this week. And it will help shape your life that you would be the very, very best for Jesus Christ with your life that you can be. So that when you are old and tired and worn out and don't know if you're going to make it another day, you can be glad that you've given your very best yes, to Christ while you had the energy to give. Amen. Genesis 41, we're going to start with verse number 41. Genesis 41 and verse 41. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee above all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures and fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried before him, bow the knee. And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh. And without thee shall no man lift up his hand or his foot in all the land of Egypt. Joseph is a very unique character. He's probably my favoritest character if you have favorites. He's probably one of my favorites, if not my favorite character in the Bible. There's so much to learn from him in his life. But I want to talk to you on something that he taught me. Staying, keeping your faith strong or staying strong in hard and difficult times. Yes. Keeping your yes. faith strong yes, in hard or difficult times. Yes, yes, America is on the way down right now. It could bounce right back. It's not my decision to make. It's the Lord's. And there may be hard times coming your way and my way that we don't even anticipate right now. But during that time, no matter what it is, we need to be strong in our faith because there's going to be someone looking, someone watching who needs the Savior. And we want to stay strong in our faith during hard times. Father, thank you for this morning. Fill this place, Lord, with the Holy Spirit in this power. Flow through me as water would flow through a hose. That your word would go down deep into the hearts of your people. And that we, your people, would be encouraged and strengthened and taught from your word of how to stay strong during difficult times.
We love you and we need your help. None of us can do this on our own. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. It's easy to have faith when everything is going well. Easy. It's easy to sing the songs of Zion and praise God when everything is as it should be and how we want them to go. It's really easy. It's not so easy when we're facing difficulties. It's not so easy when reality conflicts with what our dreams are. It's not easy to keep our faith strong during those times. In Genesis chapter 41, we read about a victorious time in the life of Joseph. He was now being placed as being a ruler over all of Egypt. He was riding in the second chariot. There were people that ran before his chariot that would announce his coming so that all would bow the knee and follow his leadership because he now is second to Pharaoh and all the nation of Egypt. There was only one who was greater in Egypt than Joseph, and that was the king himself. Nothing could be done without Joseph's personal approval now. Did you notice what it said there in verse uh, 44? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or his foot in all the land of Egypt. Nothing anywhere around the whole nation of Egypt could be done without the approval of Joseph. This is a mighty big responsibility. It's a mighty big privilege. This is a position that not everyone could handle well. It's a position that I'm sure many people trained and worked to obtain on their own, yet it's given to Joseph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This would be a might, what we might call a mountaintop experience for Joseph. <laughs> I would call it a mountaintop experience in my life. The pro- promotion didn't happen by accident or by chance. It came about because Joseph was trusting God in difficult times. This promotion came about because Joseph, faith in God during the hard times, during the stressful times, during times of anxiety, during times of fear, during times of great tribulation, he stayed faithful. Let's look back a little bit at the life of Joseph and the difficulties that he had faced. Joseph was one of 12 sons. He had 10 brothers who didn't like him much at all. In fact, I would say they hated him. Why did they hate him? Because he was an obedient boy. He did what his dad told him to do. And because of his obedience, his father's love for him was more pronounced. Now, I did not say that his dad loved him more than he loved the others, because that would not be true. It's just that his love was more pronounced because of his obedience. And because of that obedience... His dad one day made him a coat of many colors, and when he put it on, all of his brothers got jealous. 
not only were they jealous because of his obedience in his father's prominent love for him, or pronounced love for him, they were jealous because he had a dream. And in that dream, and Brother DeVito covered that very well Wednesday night, so I'm not going to go much into it. In that dream, he dreamed that his brothers would bow before him. And they did not like that at all. No big brother likes to be told by a little brother, listen, you're going to bow before me. (laughs) Oh, no. My brothers, if I would have told that to my bigger brothers, they would have thumped me. They were to let me know that that the only person that was going to bow was going to be me, and it was going to be right now, amen? They would have sat on me. They would have given me a Dutch rub on the head as they had me in the head. I mean, my brothers would have been brothers. That's what brothers do to each other. They beat each other to death before mom and dad can catch you. And then if you tell, you get beat again. (laughs) They didn't like him. He didn't like his dream. We are never going to live in this world without a time of trouble or difficulties in our life. To do what is right in the face of opposition is difficult. Because of Joseph's obedience, because of his dream... His brothers decided that they were going to get rid of Joseph. Let's just get rid of him. You ever feel that way about somebody? Not because necessarily they're good, but because they're causing agitation to your life. I can think of another a number of people. My wife and I, we've been married 43 years. Am I right? 43? Good. I messed up the other day when somebody asked us how long we've been married. I said 34, and she's standing right there, and she said, no, 43. And I said, oh, yeah, that's right. That's what happens when you get old. Everything reverses in your life. Anyway, we've been married uh, 43 years. I'm not sure why I was, where I was going there, but uh, uh, let's see, where was it at? Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, there have been times, we've never talked about divorce. We've talked about murder a few times, <laughs> but not divorce. We've talked about one going out and Two going out and one coming back, but we we not talked about divorce, amen, until death do us part, even if we have to bring it ourselves. And uh, when we got married, we thought we got married before the justice of the peace, but it really was the secretary of war. When we got married, I, the lady had the piano music all set up for the, you know, da, 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 da. But what she ended up to play was the fight is on as my wife walked down the aisle. You know, there are three, there's three rings to marriage, don't you? The engagement ring, the wedding ring, and suffering. (laughs) You know, if you murder somebody, you get life sentence. With parole, you're out in 20 years. We've been married 43 years. I've served two life sentences. (laughs) It's been fun. She's tried to take care of me from time to time. I keep bouncing back. But things, when they're difficult and people hate you, there's not a whole lot you can do. In Genesis chapter 37 and verse 20, the Bible says this, Now come, therefore, and let us us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we'll say some evil beast has devoured him, and we shall see what becomes of his dream. Obviously, they were hating him here. They wanted him dead. One brother said, let's not kill a boy. Let's just not kill him. Let's just throw him in a pit. 
and he intended to come back and pick him up out of the pit and take him home back to daddy. But while he was gone, some merchant men came by and they said, ho, 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 let's make some money. And they sold Joseph as a slave. And the Ishmaelites took him over to Egypt. He ended up to be sold as a slave in Egypt. Why? What had he done wrong? Nothing. He was simply sold because he was doing right. He was sold because he was being obedient. Ladies and gentlemen, the question why cannot always be answered. Sometimes it's just doing of right will bring hard times and pain. I'm sorry, but it's true. Sometimes obedience to God will bring some suffering and distress that we didn't anticipate. I remember when I first got saved and God called me to preach, I thought people would be so excited. Man, he's going to be a preacher, the best thing on world you can be. He's going to be a man of God. He's going to be a servant of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It didn't take me long to find out that that's not how people respond. Amen. Oh, you're going to be a preacher, one of them people, huh? <laughs> I thought everybody would be excited, but they weren't so excited. And that happens. Why? Because you want to do right. Often, doing right will bring ridicule and harassment. When Joseph was sold as a slave in Egypt, he was purchased by the house of Potiphar. Potiphar was an officer in Pharaoh's army. He was a captain of the garden one day while at Potiphar's house and him taking care of Potiphar's house and doing a very good job at it, by the way. Potiphar didn't even know what was going on in his own home. Joseph was running everything for him. He did such a wonderful job. That uh, one day Pot- at Potiphar's house, Potiphar's wife came up to him and said, come into my bedroom and lay with me. And he said, no, ma'am, you're married. You're married. You're a married woman. It's wrong. You have a husband. By the way, it was wrong then. It's still wrong today. Adultery was wrong then. It's still wrong today. And it's wrong in the 21st century. Daily she would come to him and say, Come sin with me, and he would not. One day she pressed him and got close to him, and as she got close to him, she pulled on his garments and pulled them off of him. And he ran the other way, and she, she concocted a story to get him in trouble. And she went to her husband when he came home that day and said, Listen, look, this is what I have. Your servant that you trust so much. The guy you think is so wonderful, he's a bum. He tried to force me, to rape me. Look, I have his clothes that he left. She never did tell the truth. And he was arrested and put into the prison. He wanted to keep his purity. She wanted him to lose his purity. He wanted to obey God's word, even in a strange land. And she wanted him to disobey God's word. It's a good thing to be a part of a family that teaches the word of God from the youth up. 
You know why he stayed faithful at this point? Because that's what he had learned from his dad. He had learned from his dad that he needed to depend on God and walk with God. His dad taught him what his grandfather and his great-grandfather had taught him, and he kept teaching it to him. And by the way, we need houses and homes today that are filled with the teaching of the Word of God. We need our young people to know the truth and not all this poppycock that the world's trying to spill all over them. We don't need to have with the garbage that the public schools are throwing up on our children. We need to have moms and dads that stand for the word of God in their home in which men and women and boys and girls could stand for truth. We need a generation of young people that know what God says and will not compromise. That's all that saved Joseph. That's all Joseph had. Joseph's about 17 years old when he gets sold as a slave. He only knows that which he's been taught. And he had chosen not to sin. Only God and Joseph knows that he didn't sin. He could have sinned. Who would have known? His dad thought he was dead. His brothers knew he would never be back again. Only God and Joseph knew. No one had to tell him. Hey, we're proud for you to stand that way. Good job. I'm proud of you. There was nobody there to tell him that. No one. No one. No one to encourage him. No one to help him. No one. That would be for him what he needed to continue to do right. All he had was what he learned from his dad about God and his word. That's why it's so important that we know what the Bible says. Listen, our teenagers don't know, need to know what the world says. They need to know what God says. The world is so corrupt and twisted and filled with deception. If you can't see the evil that's in our world today, you really are blind. And this world is filled with evil. And the only thing we have to fight evil with, it's not guns and knives and bullets and bombs. It's the word of God. The only thing that's going to change America is the word of God. The only thing that's going to keep our young people safe is the word of God. Not Disney. They just hired another cross-dresser or whatever they're called, pole sitter, to make another TV show about how to teach your children to be perverts. There's a school that just announced to their third graders, uh, parents just found out that they're giving them a lesson in class that's teaching them the acceptance and the proper use of pornography. You know what? That teacher ought to be hung. I'm just telling you, this is wrong. This is sin. We've got to have the word of God. Our young people have got to have the word of God. There's nothing that can save them, nothing that can change them, nothing that can rescue them, but God himself. And if they don't know what the word of God says, and if they've not been taught in their homes with their moms and their dads, by the way, You ask any of our graduates, I've asked them in class publicly, if they were taught that their parents were wrong about what they taught and that church was wrong, they would tell you that is what they learned in school. Shame on those teachers. Shame on that school board. Shame on the state that would allow that to happen. Shame on a governor that would allow that to occur. Shame on parents that don't teach their children 
the Word of God. One day, for standing for right, will pay off much greater than the doing of wrong. What is it that Joseph did? Potiphar's wife lied about him, said that he sinned and he did not. She was the culprit, yet he's the one that's taken to prison. What kind of reward is that for doing right? Not only had he lost his home, he lost his dad, he lost his family, and now because he had done right again, he's thrown into prison. Now he's lost his job and what little freedom he did have. For most of us, that'd be the last straw. But we'd quit. Why? Why? Why should I keep doing right? Why? What's it paid off? Why? Hey, it, it means, ah, I'm so sick. God, what is wrong with you? That's how we respond to stuff like that. Many have quit serving God for a lot less. Many of us have had our feelings hurt and stopped dead in our tracks, never to do anything for God again because my feelings got hurt. If Joseph would have done that, he would have never seen chapter 41. He had never seen the victory. We had never seen the power of God delivered in his life. If Joseph would have quit, it would have all been for naught. Testing is proving time. Think about this for just a moment. How many of us spend a lot of money on products that we expect to work all the time? You know, you you pay $1,200, $1,400 for a stupid refrigerator. And then within a year, the, the, the ice maker's already busted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not cooling like it should. We bought one a year ago. And so far, they've had to rebuild the whole thing from inside out. I thank God when they test a product. Amen? And the testing of that product is, is proven and proven and proven so that when I take thousands of dollars to buy a, a, an appliance or thousands and thousands of dollars to buy a car... Hundreds of thousands to buy an electric car where the battery dies and you got to pay $27,000 to get another battery. I'm glad that they're tested so that when I spend my money on them, they're dependable. And I can trust them. Because that's what testing does. Testing makes us dependable. And when we quit during that testing... We've shown that we're not dependable. I'm glad many of our test products are tested before we buy them. By the way, the greater the testing and the passing of the test, the more valuable the product becomes. See, I, my, I had in our basement my grandmother's refrigerator. My mom and dad had a refrigerator upstairs after my grandmother passed away. Her 35-year-old refrigerator went down into our basement. And when we sold the house after my parents passed away, that refrigerator was still running. Yeah, it was doing circles down in the basement, but it was still running. Amen. Why? Because that product had been tested and tested, and it stayed sure. It proved its value and its worth. 
we'll keep trusting the Lord when, when things aren't going right, it'll show that value that God has placed in us. But the question is, is will we keep running when things go black? Will we keep trusting in the Lord when nothing seems to be going right? Will we trust in God when all that right seems to be wrong? By the way, that's the world we're living in right now. What will it take for us to give up? What will it take for us to quit? What, what, what hard time will it take for you to just say, I've had enough. I've been pushed to the edge. And God, I quit. Joseph didn't quit on God. When they made fun of him for his obedience and sold him as a slave and lied about him and falsely imprisoned him, he stayed on. As time went on, in prison, a baker and a butler were put in, in, in the prison, and one day they didn't look very happy. Brother DeVito spent a lot of time on this, and I'm not going to spend much time here. But he, Joseph went over to find out what was wrong with them, and they said, we had a dream, and nobody seemed to understand our dream. And Joseph said, well, I know, I know my God can interpret dreams. I can't do it, but God can do it. And he says, so what's your dream? And he tells him his dream, and he says, okay, Mr. Butler, this dream tells me that in three days you're going to go back to being the, the king's butler, doing the things that the butler does for the king. Oh, and the baker said, man, that's wonderful. What a great, great dream. Well, let me tell you my dream. And so the baker tells his dream, and the baker, and Joseph said, well, your dream isn't as good. In three days, your head's going to be lifted off of you, and the birds are going to eat the brains out of your head. That's not a fun thing. Joseph looked at the butler and said, listen, when you're put back in place, don't forget me. Let, 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 get me out of here. I have not done anything to deserve to be in here. Get me out. And so the butler, three days later, he's called back up and he goes back to serving Pharaoh. And man, things are wonderful. And he forgot all about Joseph. However, Pharaoh had a dream a couple years later. And he called everybody together. He called all the astrologers and all the wise men of the land of Egypt. And said, tell me what my dream means because he couldn't figure it out and nobody knew. Oh, there's a guy. The the, the butler says, there's a guy down in prison. His, His God tells him what dreams mean. He told me about my dream. And Pharaoh said, really, go get him. So they pull him out of there, and they cut his hair, and they wash him up, and they put new clothes on him, and they bring him before the Pharaoh, and Pharaoh tells him the dream, and, and Joseph says, I don't know the, the, the interpretation, but I know who does. My God. The God I have faithfully served all of my life. He knows the answer. And because Joseph had not turned his back on God during difficult times, God blessed Joseph and was able to tell Pharaoh, what the dream meant. That's what chapter 41 talks about. I want you to notice the conversation in chapter 41, verses 15 and 16. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand the dream and interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not me. It is not in me. There's no question Joseph understands where this is coming from. It's not in me, he says. And Joseph, uh, and Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh the answer of peace. And 
that shows me right there without a question, Joseph had not lost his faith in his God. How do we get through hard times? What do we do when we get tested like this? I'm glad that our Heavenly Father is faithful and he has to take care of us and he's able, we're able to depend on him. I'm glad he loves us no matter what's going on in our life. Amen? In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7, it's, the Bible records these words of another man that stayed faithful during very difficult times. His name was Paul. And he said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. And then I love these next few words. I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. When we go through difficult times, how do we keep our faith strong? I'm going to give you three things, and then we're going to go home. And it's quick, so you can put your shoes on. Number one, don't try to understand God, just accept him. Don't try to understand God, just accept him. Listen, don't try to figure out what he's doing because you're never going to figure it out. You're always going to be wrong. So what's the point in wasting all the time trying to figure it out? Just trust him. His mind is infinite. My mind is temporal. And I'm not sure that I even have a temporal mind. I think, I know I have two brains. I no question. I've had brain scans. One's lost and the other one's looking for it. <laughs> I don't understand God. I'm not even going to begin to tell you I understand God. You mean, Brother Marco, you have been a preacher for four, almost 45 years and you don't understand God? No, I don't. And if I had a God that I could understand as a miserable sinner as I am, I would not have a very good God. I would not have a very intelligent God. I would not have a very powerful God. I don't know how to think like he thinks. All I know is I can trust him because he's got it all figured out. He knows it. We have a very wise God. We have a very great God. And I'm glad to know that my God is infinite and eternal, all-powerful, and that he is the almighty God. I can't understand him, but I can accept him. I don't have to understand him, but I can accept him. His power is limitless. He reaches out for us when there's nothing to reach out to because we're not reaching back. He cared for us when we cared nothing about him. He loves us. So don't get discouraged. Don't quit because you don't understand God. Don't get mad and upset because you don't understand what God's doing. Don't get angry when, with God because you can't see the finished product. Just trust him. Trust him to know that he knows what he is doing. Number two, I said number one, don't try to trust, don't try to understand God, just accept him. So how do I keep my faith strong in difficult times? Number two, don't compare yourself to others. Do not compare yourself to others. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse number 12. For we dare not make ourselves of number or compare ourselves to some that commend, them, commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. 
God says it's pretty stupid of us to go around comparing ourselves to somebody else. Listen, you really don't know me and I really don't know you. I know your church persona and you know my church persona. Amen? But let me tell you, none of us are what other people think we really are. Amen? None of us are. So if you try to compare yourself to me, you're never going to stack up because you're not me. You don't have the same lack of brains that I have. When I lay down at nighttime, I got to find the nut that rolled out during the night and put it back in so I can get through the next day. Amen? Listen, I, I, you can't compare yourself to me because you're not me and I'm not you. Because I'm not you, I can never go through what you go through. And because you're not me, you can never go through what I go through. And I'm not going to try to figure it out. All I know is I'm going to, take, I'm going to accept what God is doing in, in my life. And I'm just not going to compare myself to anybody else. Listen, you're special. I, I, used to, I said this in one church on a different message. I said, you're special. And there was somebody up in the front that is very, very special. And he loved it. He came back. Every time I go back to the church, he always comes up to me and gives me a big hug and goes, I'm special, doesn't he? And he is. He's special. He's probably smarter than you and I are. He probably has a better understanding of what's going on with God than you and I have. But we're special. You're one of a kind. I've often told my wife, when God made me, he broke the mold. And she said, I'm glad he did because we couldn't take another one of you. Malachi is probably the closest to me than any person I've ever met. And he's just a little off that bubble. But you can tell on him he's on the level because the bubble's in the middle. Amen. Anyway. Anyway. We're one of a kind. There has never in history been somebody exactly like you. No one. Not your mama, not your daddy, not your grandparents. Not your brothers, nor your sisters. Thank God I'm not like my brothers and sisters. Uh, anyway, uh, nobody. There's nobody like you. God made you a one of a kind. And because of that, you can't compare yourself to somebody else. You can't p- compare your experiences to somebody else's experience and hope to be exactly like them. Because God's giving you something specifically for your life to use while you're here on this earth. He gives you and me the experiences that we have that are so different from each other's so that we can reach specific people that have had similar experiences. I haven't had the same experiences that Brother Yule has, and Brother Yule hasn't had the same experiences I have. So we must both stand for the Lord because there's people that he can reach because of his experiences that I can't reach. And there's people that I can reach that he can't reach because of the experiences I have. So God says it's unwise for us to compare ourselves to somebody else. When we compare ourselves uh, to others, we start to say things like this to God. God, you're not fair. You gave him that and you didn't give it to me. Lord, you love them more than you love me because you wouldn't let me go through this. Not true. God, if you, if you, I can't trust you. Look what you've done for them, but you haven't done that for me. That's what happens when we compare ourselves yeah, right. to others. God, you don't love me. That's how his brothers behaved. Dad, you don't love us like you love Joseph. Look what you've done for him. That's exactly what was going on there. Yeah. 
Why? Because they were comparing themselves to others. And God says that's not wise. The key then is not to question what trials come and compare ourselves to others when burdens come. That'll lead us to discouragement. That'll lead us to be distraught. That'll lead us to frustration. That'll lead us to questioning God and never being able to allow God to supply the blessings he's prepared specifically for you. I said, number one, don't try to understand God. Number two, don't compare yourselves to others. And number three, and we're done with this, I bet. View your problems as opportunities to shine. View your problems as opportunities to shine. View your problems as opportunities to shine. There are times to let the world know how, God, how great God really is. And we can't do that when everything's perfect in our life and we're happy. It's when we go through problems and difficulties and trials and tribulations like they, they, Joseph is going through. And he doesn't, you don't know where to turn. You don't know what to do. And you don't deserve any of it. That they can actually see that God is working through you. What did the baker, I'm sorry, what did the butler say to Pharaoh? This guy can do this. When Joseph's called before Pharaoh, he says, I can't do it, but God can. Because he views his problems as opportunities to shine. Did you notice that Joseph never gives up? Not only does he not give up, he does his best in everything he's given to do. Under adverse conditions. Listen, I don't want to go to jail. You want to go to jail? I don't want to go to prison. I don't want to go to a work camp. I don't want to go to a reprogramming process, which could be coming here soon. I don't want to do that. But if I have to do that, that's an opportunity to shine. That's an opportunity to tell other people about Jesus Christ. That's an opportunity to stay faithful to Jesus Christ. It's an opportunity. Listen, I didn't like having cancer. I didn't like all the problems that it brought and all the fatigue that it brings. And it brings a fatigue that you can never explain. But can I tell you what it was an opportunity for? To let other folks see that it's not time to quit just because you don't feel good. It's not time to give up just because things aren't going the way you think they ought to go. It's an opportunity to let people see Jesus Christ in you. So that they can say, I want that. The honest truth is that the people who ridicule you at work for you doing what you're supposed to do are the ones that are going to run to you when the doctor tells them they have cancer. They're going to be the ones that run through the, uh, the, the plant looking for where you're at so that you can pray for them because their family's falling apart. They're going to be the one, you're going to be the one that they come to search out when everything in their life is turned upside down and they just got the pink slip in their paycheck. Because they've seen you stand. And standing through that difficult time allows them to see Christ shine through us. I'm thinking about Rodrigo this morning. Listen, you would never know he had cancer. When you talk to him, he never talks about it. He never gripes about it. He shows up. He does what he's supposed to do. He smiles. He talks. He loves to be with God's people. I wish you could all get to know him and you could see through his difficulty how God shines through him. 
I think of Miss Jackson this morning. I've got to be careful about calling out names. I'll forget somebody and somebody's feelings will be hurt. But I think of Mrs. Jackson, how she comes, even though she's had, what, three strokes now? Three? Two strokes? She struggles to understand. She struggles to speak. She struggles to eat. She struggles to take her medication. She's got to have help all the time. But whenever she can be here, guess where she's at? Here. And, you know, she's not talking about all of her issues. She's smiling, hugging people letting people know that they're special to her. Why? Because the difficulty is an opportunity to shine for Jesus Christ. There are times that the world needs to know how, God, how great God really is. We're in that time, by the way, right now. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 9. It's a wonderful verse. And it says, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what difficulties you are bearing day in and day out. But I know that anything that's harsh in your life, God's allowed it to come to prove you, to help you, and for him to shine through you as you go through these times. Keeping your faith strong in difficult times. May I say this as I close? God loves you. He loves me. And he's never going to do anything to hurt you. Never. And we may not understand why we're going through what we're going through, but he's never going to hurt you. He just wants you to allow him to shine through your adversity. Let me read that verse again and we'll close. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, would I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Father, thank you for what we've learned today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the examples that you give us in Scripture of Joseph and Daniel and David and others. I think of Moses and his desire to serve you and the rebellion that he had to deal with all the time. Help us not to give up or to quit or to turn our back on you when the problems do arise and they do arise. I ask that you help us stay faithful. Help this message become alive in our life as we go through the difficulties of this week. Help us to remember that your grace is sufficient for us and that your strength is made perfect in our weaknesses, that your name would be magnified and glorified by the life you've given us to live here on this earth. 
Father, if there's someone here today that does not know for sure if they died right now that they'd go to heaven, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you convince and convict them of their need to be saved. We don't want them to go to hell. Jesus, you died on the cross for them so they'd never, ever have to go to hell. And I know that they don't want to go to hell or they wouldn't be here today. So please, Holy Spirit, if there's someone here that does not know for sure they died right now, that heaven would be their home, I ask that you'd work in their heart and life that we may show them from your word how they could have that promise of heaven. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed and no one's looking around, how many say today, preacher, Brother Marco, if I died right now, I know I would go straight to heaven. I have asked Jesus to save me, and I know I'm on my way to heaven. Would you slip your hand up? Hold it up just for a moment, and then slip it down. I may say this morning, Brother Marco, if I died right now, I don't know for sure that I'd go to heaven. I know I don't want to go to hell, but I don't know for sure I'd go to heaven. Brother Marco, would you pray for me that I would not go to hell, but that I would go to heaven? Brother Marco, would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up for me that I might pray for you? No one's going to look around. No one's going to bother you. I just want to pray for you. God bless you. Anyone else? I may say today, Brother Marco, pray for me. I I do go through difficult times. Sometimes I fall right into the things that you were talking about today. And I want to stand similar as Joseph stood, as hard times come my way. I want Christ to be my strength and my weakness, that I might show forth his glory to others while I go through hard times. Brother Marco, would you pray for me that I allow Christ to shine through me and my problems as they come my way? Brother Marco, pray for me. Would you hold your hand up nice and high for me so I can see it? And then you may slip them down. Father, I thank you for the hands that have been raised. I thank you for the truth that we have learned today from your word. I ask Holy Spirit that you draw us closer to you. And as we go through this week, we would realize how much we need you and that you're right there with us and there's nothing to fear because you're near please help us in Jesus name amen let's all stand to our feet God spoke to your heart the altar's open God spoke to your heart